Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I've got my co-host, Curtis, here with me today to kick off another week of Georgia football coverage. And we are one week closer to Georgia football, my friends. We are getting so close. I don't know about you guys, but for me, I can only speak from my experience. These two to three weeks here from like mid-August to kickoff are the most dreadfully long weeks of the entire year. But we are... We are getting closer, so close in fact. We've got Corky Kell High School football this weekend. we got week zero the next weekend, and then it is showtime. So we're getting there. But as for right now, the dogs are firmly entrenched in fall camp, at least for a few more days. Technically, fall camp ends when classes start. Classes start Wednesday the 17th. They'll still be practicing like it's fall camp, but they're not like ensconced there in the Georgia Center, like truly like in a camp. But they will still be practicing. They will still be getting better. They'll still be working towards kickoff against Oregon on September 3rd. So today what we want to do on this episode is recap all of the developments, all the buzz coming out of the first full week of fall camp and of course the first fall scrimmage over the weekend. So we'll get to that here momentarily. But first, I do want to remind you guys about our good friends at Alumni Hall. Seriously guys, Alumni Hall is a diehard Georgia fan's best friend. If you're like me, and I know most of you are, you feel like you got to be repping at all times. Some way, somehow, you've got to be repping that G. And Alumni Hall is the best place to find the gear to help you do that. Not just the gear, the accessories, tailgating options, anything and everything that you could possibly imagine that has a G on it, Alumni Hall has it. Even something as simple as some new socks. Like I literally just picked up my new game day socks this season. And yes, guys, I do have game day socks. I am that guy. And yes, I am irrationally excited about them. And yes, Alumni Hall had me covered even for something that small when we're talking about our game day attire. But whether big or small, Alumni Hall is your best bet for all your Georgia gear and accessories. They have all the brands you can imagine, the best selection. They've got Nike. They've got... Nike Golf, they've got Cutter and Buck, they've got Peter Millar, they've got my new favorite, Johnny O, they've got Columbia, they've got Southern Tide, they've got vintage gear that you're not going to find anywhere, they got the best hat collection that you're going to find with their awesome hat wall at the back of the store. And to top all that off, it's truly first class customer service, nobody does it better, whether you're shopping in store, whether you're shopping online, they make sure that you guys have what you need and they treat you right. Even when you order something online, those of you who've ordered from Alumni Hall online before, you know what I'm talking about, even the the package that your order comes in, it's like decked out, it's unbelievable, they do it better than anybody, they make you feel special, they make your order feel special because... It is, guys. To people like you and me, the diehard fans, your Georgia gear, it is special. Your new game day gear, it's special. So don't wait any longer, guys. The season, like I told you, it's coming, man. We're we're getting closer and closer. So don't wait any longer. Use the promo code GLORYUGA, no spaces, to get 15% off your purchase from now all the way until kickoff against Oregon on September 3rd. Again, that's GLORYUGA, no spaces, for 15% off your entire purchase. 
But okay, Curtis, let's get to some football talk. We are now a full week into fall camp. Technically, I guess a week and a half or so into fall camp. But basically a full week with pads on. I think we started with pads, full pads last Tuesday. So close enough to a full week with pads on. And of course, that was capped with the first scrimmage of fall camp that took place this past Saturday. And look, guys, only the elite of the elite donors get invites to scrimmages. Only the cream of the crop, the top of the top, the highest of rollers, of which I certainly am not, not even remotely close, not even in the ballpark. So with that in mind, I do not have firsthand info to report today, but beat writers did get about 10 minutes of info, and that, of course, is better than nothing. And then word does have a way of leaking out from people who were there, who were very eager to let you know that they were there and they want to share all the information, which is great. I love that. I love the insider reports. And living here in Athens, I do have a few contacts here and there around town that are privy to such events, which I certainly, again, am not. But no matter who you talk to or what report you read, the general consensus was that the offense was well ahead of the defense in this first fall scrimmage. Even Kirby Smart himself said as much in his post-scrimmage press conference, which is unusual. It's usually the inverse this time of year. Usually the defense is the one that's further ahead. The offense takes a little bit longer to gel and get right. There's more moving parts there. So Curtis, I would say this should not be surprising to fans, especially if you consider the context of this particular Georgia football team. I think this should be about what every fan expected coming into the first scrimmage. But saying that, It still does. It still hits a little different when you actually hear it, when it's reality and not so that it's like theory and not in the abstract. So, Kurt, let me just ask you, man, how concerned are you about the Georgia defense right now after the first fall scrimmage? I mean, I guess you could, I mean, it's impossible to say not concerned, but the fact is, realistically, I'm not that concerned. I mean, you have a guy going into his third year of starting at quarter, like, At every position on offense, there's upperclassmen leadership, experienced upperclassmen leadership, not just upperclassmen, but experience. And that's not the case on defense. I mean, outside of Jalen Carter, who I had heard didn't get many snaps trying to get some of these younger guy reps. So outside of him, you had Chris Smith and um, Keely Ringo, really, and Nolan Smith as, like, the guys who have had experience. And what I was hearing is, you know, just like uh, Jalen Carter, Chris Smith wasn't getting many reps, trying to get these young guys reps. So it's not very surprising when you're hearing that, thinking, okay, you're going against experienced upperclassmen on one side, against talented yet no experience and all these things on the other side. I mean, it's really not surprising, in my opinion. Yeah, I, again, I don't think anyone should have been surprised that the offense would have the defenses, as you said, Curtis offensively, that's where most of our returning production was on this entire team, right? Now, we, we lost some key players. You lose James Cook, you lose Amir White, you lose Jamari Salyer. You lose some guys that are important pieces to our offense last year, but we have the the bulk of that offense and the production from last year, especially some of the young guys who were impact players for us, guys like Brock Bowers, A.D. Mitchell, Lad McConkie. Those guys are all back. Uh, Cedric Van Brand, they're all back. So it makes sense coming into the fall that the offense should be ahead of the defense. But when this is a program that has been, and I, I really, I hesitate to say led by the defense. Cause I think that our offense gets the short end of the stick far too often. Like they act like the, people act like our offense is just along for the ride last year. And that could not be further from the truth. If you watch Todd Munkin's press conference last week, you kind of got that vibe. And I totally agree with him on that. Yeah, There was some heat from him. Oh yeah. I mean, he took umbrage to the fact that, that people were just, talking about the offense have to carry the defense this year and and he brought in well I don't think the defense carried us last year I don't think we're gonna carry the defense this year we have a lot of good players on both sides of the ball so I think that's a little bit overplayed but we just do have a lot more experience a lot more production return offensively so that's not surprising at all I guess Curtis my question is here not necessarily how surprising it was I don't think it should be surprising but Let's just do this on a scale of one to 10, you know, take it all into consideration, the lack of, uh, of returning production, all those big time stars that we lost last year, all those major contributors from this defense on a scale of one to 10, 10 being like DEFCON. I think DEFCON one is actually the highest DEFCON. So DEFCON one versus like one being like, I'm not remotely concerned at all. Like where is your level of concern for this Georgia defense right now? And look, we're, it's very, very small sample size, obviously, because we are talking about one fall scrimmage and we'd all draw so many conclusions from one scrimmage and I hesitate to draw any kind of like long-term conclusions but based off what we have to operate off of right now and we are fans we overreact that's kind of what we do where is your level of concern with this defense 
Uh, maybe a three. I mean, realistically, outside the positions we've talked about, maybe inside linebacker and um, the, the interior of the D-line outside of Jalen Carter. Um, I mean, a lot of it, I think, is the competitions. It could, no matter which way it goes, you're going to play some really talented guys. And, I mean, not only that, but you're going into year three under Todd Munkin when you're going against him, play calling. And yet we're, I know Schumann and Muschamp have been around, especially Muschamp. The fact is like, they're also going into year one of them truly calling plays. Um, so I, it's hard to really get ahead of ourselves. I mean, last year at this time, the defense was absolutely shut. The offense wasn't doing anything. Um, yep. And so it was vice versa exactly. the other way. And yet we, as we've seen, as, and as you previously mentioned, the offense was still explosive, still had all these crazy st- did very well statistically last year. Um, so I think that you can read way too much into this and there will be people that are, you know, DEFCON one and all these things, but I can see being a little nervous, but I don't see going any higher. Look, I have a certain level of concern, but I'm with you. It's certainly below a five. Like I, I haven't passed that threshold yet. And I've been doing this long enough, Curtis, you and I, we've been doing this for eight years. Can you believe that man? This is our eighth year doing this. It is crazy. Well, it's crazy. Like we've been doing this for a while. And, you know, back in 2015, we started this podcast and I so long ago, man, I can't even remember. I'm sure I probably freaked out a little bit more about these things, but you know what comes with old age, Curtis? I'm getting old, man. Wisdom, my friend. I yep. don't know if I'm that wise, but I'm wiser than I was eight years ago. And I, and it's the same thing with recruiting. Like, people still freak out about recruiting, like losing one individual crew at like Justice Haynes here and there. I don't like what we're not a program that's made or that we're not we're not going to be made or broken on one single recruit, and that's kind of the way I look at these scrimmages. This team is not going to be made or broken on one fall scrimmage. You know, like would I have liked to have heard the defense is doing better? Sure, but you know what, Curse, the defense is doing better. What does that mean? The offense is doing doing bad. Like that's the thing is give or yeah. take. Yeah, exactly. So you know, you you can't have it both ways, and you have to understand that going into these things. I do have a level of concern about the front seven in general because we're just losing so many. Not just like contributors, girls. I'm talking about like some all time Georgia Bulldogs. We're talking about Nicobe Dean, Jordan Davis, Trayvon Walker, first round, first overall pick in the NFL draft. Like these are rare players that we're losing in our front seven, and so. I think you'd be a little crazy to not have some level of concern to sit here and say, I have no concerns whatsoever. I think that's a bit much. I'm not ready to go that far. But I think we had the players. I think we had the talent. I'm concerned about the inexperience early in the season, maybe on the road against South Carolina, even as early as week one against Oregon. I do have some concerns there, but it's not really so much based off this one scrimmage. You know what I mean? It's just in general, like, hey, we're young. We're losing some big-time players, some all-timers for the University of Georgia. That's a little bit concerning. I guess, Curtis, my biggest concern coming out of this first scrimmage, not so much, okay, yeah, the offense looked really good. They're ahead of the defense. They should be ahead of the defense right now. I don't, Honestly, Curtis, I'd be concerned if the offense was not ahead of the defense. Are you with me on that? Yeah, that's where I would be. If the offense was out there struggling, I would just – I would be very, very nervous. Because that's – like everyone's saying, hey, the offense, you have to carry the defense early in the season. Well, if the offense is, is the one out there getting its butt kicked – um, that's a problem. Like I'm concerned about that. Our defense will grow. These guys will get better. That's going to happen. Now I hope it happens sooner rather than later. We got to get some guys up to speed. Let's not be, you know, let's not be under any illusions that we're like ready to, to roll right now. We're a finished product. That's not the case, but I, I'm not like freaking out about it. I would be more concerned if the defense dominated our offense on Saturday. I, mean, I guess it would, on some levels, like, cool, our defense is going to be awesome again, but that would have been a little bit concerning to me about what we have offensively. But my biggest concern, Curtis, about this defense right now is what Kirby was really driving home. I think his biggest theme coming out of of practice, out, out of the scrimmage, was the lack of leadership, the lack of people willing to step up on that side of the ball when things started to go a little sideways defensively. The offense was hitting some big plays. There was no Nicobe Dean. There was no Jordan Davis to pick these guys up and, uh, and, and get them back on track and, and build this spirit of this defense. So, how concerned are you about maybe the lack of a potential, I don't want to say leadership, but like a unifying voice on the defense? The one thing that bothers me, and I, I kind of go back to it, you know, I think there's a lot unsettled at the inside linebacker position. Yes, I believe Pop will be, you know, the number one guy and all these things. But yet we have, the, you know, the inside linebacker position is the captain of that defense. And right now I feel like we don't have a voice from there yet. And I feel like that's where we really, really need to have a voice. Would you expect him to? Like, was Nicobe Dean that guy his first year as a starter, Curtis? I don't think he was. He wasn't that guy. I don't know. I mean, he had people following him, though. That's the thing. I mean, I think he the did, way but he, to the degree the way, that we saw last year from him, like he was like the undisputed leader of that defense. Well, yeah, I, I agree with that, but I feel like he had more of a like 
you knew coming in he was the guy. Um, it he still had to grow into the role, but right now we don't. I, I you're not hearing much of anyone even growing into the role as much. Yeah. Well, part of it was they didn't really have much of a chance to last year. All these guys trying to replace them, they didn't play last year. They played garbage well, and just, time. And just like that. Kirby even mentioned, he was like, Jalen Carter didn't get a chance to be a leader because he wasn't out yeah. there. Yeah, you're behind all those other guys that you kind of defer to. And, and, and this doesn't happen by accident. Like, Curse, people don't like magically become these vocal leaders when they haven't had to be in that role. It's something you have to develop over time. And Kirby puts an emphasis on that. He has the whole leadership team. And that's something that, that they do put a premium on actually developing. It, it's not just like, hey, you know, we hope this guy steps up. No, like they actually cultivate these guys. And I think that was part of Kirby's disappointment is that there are certain guys that they are counting on, that they have been cultivating, that they've been developing as leaders for this team. And those guys didn't really step up and, and lead the way that our coaching staff wanted them to when the time came to that in, in, in the scrimmage. And so I think that's where the level of concern was. I think we have some of those guys. Of course, Nolan Smith is that guy. He is absolutely that yeah. guy. Chris Smith is that can certainly be that guy. I don't know if he has been that guy, but he can be that guy. And Jalen Carter has to be that guy as well. But I think part of it, and this is why I'm not freaking out about it too much here. I would like to see that leadership develop more consistently. But as you mentioned, Curtis, when Jalen Carter reportedly didn't play hardly any snaps at all, Chris Smith was held out a fair amount. I don't. I didn't hear much about how much Nolan played there. I didn't specifically ask about that. So, like, do you think that factored into the, the, that those guys maybe just didn't get as many snaps out there on the field when this was happening? I think they had a big thing because I think he, it felt like he was really challenging these guys who hadn't been out there before, as you mentioned, that were buried on the depth chart, and this was their opportunity to kind of grow. And I think these are the ones he's challenging. I think he knows what he has in Nolan, what he has in Chris Smith, and what he kind of, what he has in Jalen Carter. But it's these other guys that need to step up to the challenge because especially like Pop and some of these other guys, they may not be – they may yeah, well, even Ringo. They may not – well, Ringo maybe this may not apply to him. But some of these guys, they may not be the guy this year, but they're going to have to grow into it like, like we were talking about with Nakobe. They've got to start growing into these roles. Yeah. Hundred percent, and and that will happen. We just my only concern would be like we need that to happen faster. You know what I mean? Like that just that, yeah. we, we're only a couple weeks away from game week, guys, and like Oregon is coming to play. I know everyone just thinks we're gonna roll through Oregon. I I don't feel that way. I know a lot of you out there do, and maybe I'm just being negative, Nancy here. I don't know. I'm sure I get I get nervous about these things. I I, I own that, but Oregon's coming to play, and there's going to be some adversity in that game. And we need somebody to be able to step up on defense and kind of stem that tide. So I, that needs to happen. And I think it will. I think it will. Because like, we do a great job developing these guys internally. And I think that a scrimmage like this, Curtis, sometimes when, when the coaches have the talking point there, they kind of bash you over the head with, that's not always a bad thing, right? No, I mean, and let's be honest, we've seen it at Kirby. Anytime, you know, one of these things goes on, there's a, there's just, there's a method to his madness. Like when he goes after people, everything he does is calculated targeted he's very deliberate and like his press conferences I, I i mean i watch every single press conference this guy does a lot of you i'm sure do too he's extraordinarily deliberate in what he says like there are messages being sent as you say there's very calculated in everything that he says and i pay very close attention to what he says because i read into it because kirby's a very intelligent man i know people you know rival fans want to call him like buzz cut kirby or not buzz cut sorry bowl cut kirby and just think he's a he's a goofy idiot and that's fine. That's what rival fans do. Let them do that. But this guy's a very intelligent human being. He'd probably be a CEO of some other some company out there if he wasn't a head coach. I, I think that highly of this man. So he he has he he has meanings behind what he puts out there in the media, and he's sending messages. There's no doubt about it. I think the guys will get the message, and I think they'll be better for it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. 
Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, Curtis, moving on here. You know, with any scrimmage, any week of fall camp, there's going to be good news, there's going to be bad news. It's never all good, it's never all bad. We're going to get to the bad news, and I, I guess we kind of open with a little bit of bad news. I don't know if it's bad news. I mean, we knew the offense would be ahead of the defense, but there'll, there'll, be, there'll be some bad news that we'll get to. There's certainly some of that coming out of the first week of fall camp. But now that we've gotten the defensive conversation out of the way, let's transition, Curtis, to some more positive developments from the first full week of fall camp and that, that first fall scrimmage. And I, I want to start with some players that are really generating some early buzz right now in fall camp. Let's go with Kenny McIntosh here first. Kirby said uh, straight up that Kenny has had, quote, a great camp. He's very excited about what Kenny's doing. He's really becoming a a full player. He's not just like the guy that can catch the ball in the backfield. You know, Curtis, his first year, first year and a half or so, he had a lot of trouble picking up blitzes. You know, he was not great in pass protection. That really kind of kept him off the field. Kirby's talking about how he's making strides there. Obviously, he can catch the backfield. He's running between the tackles. He's doing everything that we're asking him to do. And he he was positively glowing about Kenny McIntosh, to be quite honest, at least in the way that Kirby does. So I guess my question for you here, Curtis, in regards to Kenny McIntosh is, how good can Kenny be? Like, what is Kenny McIntosh's ceiling as a running back? I think he actually has a high ceiling, um, the higher ceiling than James Cook. And I think that the reason I go there is I think he's actually a better ball carrier than what you saw with James Cook. He has better contact balance. Yeah, better contact balance. Yeah. Yeah, like James Cook was great when he could the hole was there and he could make the cut and bounce it. Um, but I think Kenny McIntosh is the better pure running back. I honestly think Kenny has better short area quickness too. I really do. I mean, I'm not saying James is not good in short area. He is. James glides. He's a very smooth, effortless runner with the football and very fast. And James was such an incredible athlete. I'm trying I'm really not trying to take anything away from him. I think like in a short area, in a phone booth, those sudden moves, I think Kenny's a little bit more sudden. He has this great little, uh, Jump step, I love what he – I mean, we saw that his freshman year. It was in a mop-up duty game. I forget exactly who we were playing, but it's the one he took to the house. I think it was, it was – no, I know exactly. Yeah, I know what it you're It was the about. first career touchdown, and it yeah. it was – I think it was a you know it was a baby seal, if I remember correctly. I, I can't believe I can't remember off the top of my head. But we saw that. Like, we've seen flashes of that, and the more we see it, Kenny, the more I like his short area quickness. And I think that is so critical in the back, that ability to make a defender miss in the hole – I think he has that. I think he has better contact balance, as I mentioned. I do agree. I think he's a better runner between the tackles than James Cook was. And James is better than the, at that than people gave him credit for. But I, I do agree. I think he has a higher ceiling than James Cook. I And, and we'll see if he gets there because we haven't seen him in that large of a sample size. But I think he has the potential to, to grow into that kind of back. But are we talking like he's not Todd Gurley or Nick Chubb, right? No, he's not. But I think that – he, he, I don't know if he's as high as him, but I think he runs more similar to DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I mean, that was that was where I wanted to go. Like, where would you compare him to DeAndre Swift? Was, was Swift a guy with a with a superior ceiling, a higher ceiling than the Kenny McIntosh could reach if he reaches the, the, the heights that he could go to? You know, it's hard to say, but I think that Swift is a little bit higher, yes. Um, but I think McIntosh is not far behind. I might give DeAndre a slight edge. Uh, I don't want I don't I don't want there to be some recency bias here because DeAndre Swift was 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 pretty freaky man you know way he moved so even in, as a very early uh, early in his career here at Georgia you know back in 2017 the SEC championship game but I I'm with you I don't think Kenny's that far behind like I don't think there's a big gap at all like it's almost negligible I, I think I really think that highly of Kenny McIntosh's ability I love what he brings out of, out of the backfield as a, as a pass catcher I think he tracks the ball well I think that James could probably tracks the ball better than Kenny but Kenny has fantastic hands he's a very very smooth crafty route runner uh, I mean I think back to that game last year where he caught um one of like Stetson threw the ball pretty ba- badly behind him you know I believe correctly he caught it one-handed like he has great yep. hands yeah, I, I think very, very highly Kenny McIntosh. I think he's the total package. He's not as powerful as like DeAndre Swift ran. He ran between. He ran behind his pads pretty well. I don't think and he and, and DeAndre was built a little bit differently. He, like he was short, but he was never never small. I, I never got people say, "Oh, DeAndre Swift's a small back." No, he's not. He's thick, dude. And so I think he was a little thicker. There's built a little bit differently, but I, I think very highly Kenny McIntosh. I think he can be very similar to what DeAndre Swift was for us. I really do, and I, and I love DeAndre Swift. I think he was fantastic. Obviously, he was a 
He wasn't the first round draft pick, but he was very close to being that. And he's a starter for the Detroit Lions. I think Kenny McIntosh has that ability. I think Kenny McIntosh could be a starter for an NFL team in, in a year or so. I really believe that he could be. So I'm very excited about Kenny, and I'm just hoping to God that he can stay healthy. Because if he does, I think Kenny McIntosh is going to have a massive year for us. I really believe that. And the next guy here, Curtis, Darnell Washington. This is another guy who's had some trouble staying healthy, at least last year. You know, dealt with a foot injury that and kind of popped back up. I, I, I had been told through the early winter workouts leading up to spring practice that he had a fantastic couple of months there. And then he gets hurt right before spring practice starts. And then he's out for out for the spring and it's the foot again. You're like, dude, when you're that big, you know, these foot injuries that that's, that can be a lingering thing. And that just is kind of chronic and comes back. But from all accounts, it sounds like Darnell is a different guy. In fact, I was told by somebody I know that he looks like a different player right now. That's what I'm told. He looks like a different player. And he reportedly had a very big scrimmage, had a big, long catch and run where he was just kind of throwing defenders off of him, at least reportedly. Didn't see it, but that's what you read. That's what I've been told. And Kirby has also been very complimentary of him in his press conferences. You and I, Curtis, both are in agreement that Kirby does not say anything by accident. So what are your expectations for Darnell this year tied in? I think Darnell could get himself on the field a lot. We talked about it um, last week, really, about between him and uh, Arik Gilbert. And, you know, the biggest thing is that he has to show his versatility. Um, I think my biggest thing is to stay on the field. He's going to have to be a pass catcher. He's going to have to um, – because even last year when he came back from the foot injury, he just didn't have that speed he had before because you could tell that, you know, he's kind of out of shape. He kind of just didn't have it. And – He's going to have to stay healthy on that because that's what's going to keep him on the field consistently outside of just being a pure um, run blocker. Yeah. Now, if he can do that, he's going to be hard to stop because even at that size, he is a matchup nightmare because it doesn't matter if a safety or linebackers on him. No, none of them are – no one can stop him in one-on-one coverage and then let, let alone stay, run with him. And then if he catches it, they're going to have trouble bringing him down. Yeah, as much as uh, as Brock Bowers is a matchup nightmare, as much as Gilbert's a matchup nightmare, Darnell's also a matchup nightmare, just in his own way, in a different way. You're right. Like He's just so big, there is literally no defender out there that can match up with that size. Whether you're a safety, whether you're a linebacker, whether you're a corner or a star, you cannot match up with that size. So if he is healthy and can move the way that he should be moving, then, uh-oh, <laughs> watch out. Like This guy could be big time. And that's kind of what we always expected, but we just haven't seen that version of him yet. I guess towards the end of 2020, we started getting him more involved in the offense, and he was doing some really impressive things. So you're kind of like, uh-oh, this guy's going to be great in 2021. Then he has the foot injury, and then he's out for first half of the year or so, and he's never fully 100%. But you go back to Todd Munkin's interview last week, Curtis, you know, he was very open. Like He basically straight up said that, you know, we couldn't really throw the ball to Darnell much last year because of the foot injury. Like, do you think that was the that was the the problem with it, with him last year's the foot, and then not so much that we don't see him as a pass catcher, more as a blocking tight end? I think a lot of it was the foot because all those things that made him a weapon outside of a jump ball, he he really wasn't doing anything. Or I mean, he just wasn't the same person he was. He and it was plant hard. and cutches. A lot of what we do with our tight ends are optional. So you're literally you're planting, you're reading the leverage of the defender, and you're cutting off of that, and you're pushing away from the defender base of that. When you have a, a foot that's jacked up like that, it's kind of hard to do that, especially when you're that big, you know? Yeah, and I think that was the biggest thing. Is he just he? And then you had Brock Bowers having the year he did. I mean, it, yep. it just was hard. How can you not get Brock Bowers the ball? Absolutely. It was yeah. it was a perfect storm situation for Darnell to kind of just be utilized more in that in that blocking role. And that's why, guys, I'm telling you, like, it, it, I'm not going to say it was touch and go, but he – let me just put this way. He very strongly considered transferring. I mean, we, I, it yeah. wasn't until the – it wasn't until that the – I knew he couldn't transfer within the SEC that I felt good because I knew if yeah. he was going to transfer, it was going to be within the SEC in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, there was a point there shortly after the season I I thought he was gone. Yeah, I and thought. We, yeah, I thought he was going to be in there with um, Jermaine Burton. Yeah, we mentioned we mentioned that a little bit on the show, just kind of in passing. We didn't go hardcore because I don't like putting that stuff out there at the time because I don't. You just never know. Like you can put that out there and then he doesn't transfer. Everyone's like, "Dude, what are you talking about? You're just like starting rumors." It's like, well, no, like there was stuff going on behind the scenes. But I can tell you now that, yeah, Darnell, it, it was certainly a consideration, and um, that's one of the better recruiting jobs that we did. Kirby and staff did was keeping Darnell in the fold because I think he could be another. Uh, another breakout type player for us. And, and we all know about this. Maybe it's not breakouts not the right word, but I think on the national scene, like Brock Bowers was that guy last year. I think Darnell might be that type of guy this year. And Kurt, before we move on, I, I do want to ask one more question with the tight end. So if Darnell is coming on like this and, and we hear all these things about Arik Gilbert, also back to the name thing that we talked about last week with, with Gilbert. So 
there was a reporter that called him Eric Gilbert, and then Todd Munkin in his interview said Eric Gilbert. So, Curtis, I'm I'm so confused. I'm I've never yeah. been more confused about how to say. I've given up. Yeah. I, I I every time I hear an interview, somebody says it differently. I swear to God. So, I don't know, guys. You know what we're talking about. We're talking about Eric Arik. How are Arik? How were you said last week, Curtis Gilbert? Arik. Right? I said Arik. Yeah, number fourteen. Right. That's what he's gonna be yeah. for us. 14. Okay. That's who we're talking about here. So just bear with us. Hopefully one day we'll finally get a, a finalized answer on that, but we're just idiots. And what do we know? But what are with those with Darnell and Gilbert? What are the chances Curtis? And also, I guess the emergence of AD Mitchell, what are the chances that Brock Bowers is not the leading receiver for this Georgia offense? I, I think there's a good chance because I think especially with A.D. Mitchell um, and then, you know, the emergence of the other two options, I still think he'll be an like a All-American type-esque, but I don't think he'll be um, close to a thousand, a thousand yards as he was this past year. Yeah, I know. Like, I, I think he – like, I'm not saying Brock should have won the Mackey Award last year. I think he should have been a finalist. I think it was criminal that he was not a finalist, just like it was criminal that Will Anderson was not a finalist for the Heisman last year. I think that was criminal, like at least give him a chance to be in New York. Uh, Brock Bowers, not a finalist for the Mackey, is certifiably insane. That's crazy. But, but I'm not like I'm not sure he's going to win the Mackey Award this year, Curtis. It's not because anything to do with Brock. Brock is Brock. Brock's going to be a better version of himself this year. But Kurt, like when Darnell's healthy, if knock on wood, he stays healthy, and you got Gilbert in the mix, like they're going to take targets away from him, are they not? Like it's going to happen. Yeah, it's simple. Of course, it's going to happen, and that's why I don't. I still think he'll be a star, and everyone's got the yeah. game plan for him. But I just don't see him being the impact player he was this past year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, well, I still see him being the impact player. He's just not or gonna the impact the statistic. Yes, yeah, statistically. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, even if you're not getting the ball, they have to account for you, and that yeah. that is making an impact when you. No, that's the a bad, guys yeah, that's a lot better way so, to put it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Brock is. And look, Brock is freaking awesome. I love Rob Bowers. That's my boy. But I, I don't think it's crazy to suggest that he's not going to be the leading receiver on this team. And it wasn't even close last year because he like almost doubled up the next closest receiver. It wasn't even remotely close. And I'm not sure that's a given this year. He he very well could still be the leading receiver. Well, not receiver, pass catcher. Let's call it that, pass catcher. But I don't know, man. There's a lot of targets to go around. Some of these tight ends coming back and A.D. Mitchell's getting, you know, he's developing. Lab McConkey. I don't know. I mean, you even go back to Kenny McIntosh. He's going to get some touches on the backfield. So we'll see. We'll see. Either way, it's a good problem to have. But speaking of receivers, Curtis, one guy that has generated a lot of buzz very early in camp because he just got to campus this summer is true freshman wide receiver Dylan Bell. Now, we did our fall camp preview episode, what, a couple weeks ago, I think two weeks ago now. And um, at the end of the at the end of the episode, we did like a rapid fire thing. And he was my pick. Dylan Bell was my pick for the freshman that no one is talking about that could end up being an impact player in year one. I think you were were with, with me on that, Curtis. And look, you win some, you lose some. But sure enough, Dylan Bell is already making noise early in fall camp. So much so, in fact, that Kirby specifically singled him out as a receiver that was making some plays um, early in fall camp and also at the scrimmage on Saturday. But it's, Kurt, it's always hard to know how real that is, the early buzz for these true freshmen and like when or if he will hit that freshman wall. Like that remains to be seen. But right now he's making some plays. He's He's working himself potentially in the rotation. So what do you expect from Dylan Bell this year? I think you could see him out there. And the biggest reason I say that is because he is the he's the one type player that we don't really have on that in the wide receiver corpse right now. And that is a big physical receiver. And that's exactly what he is. So that, I think that's the one thing that he benefits from more than anything is there's just, there's just not another player on our roster similar to him. He's got a thick bite. I mean, he's not like the tallest guy. He's like 6'1", but he's 210. I mean, yeah. he's thick, and that's why I like. You see pictures of him. You see pictures of him, and you think like, "Oh my God, this guy's just like a stacked running back." Yeah, a hundred percent. Like, and that, that's why I liked about him coming out of high school. Like, a lot of people didn't love his high school take because it wasn't. He wasn't super flashy. He wasn't like just burning, you know, secondary guys and just like running past everybody for these big explosive plays. But I loved his physicality and I loved his body because that's important in the SEC, Curtis. If you're coming from high school and you're going to play in the big boy league that is the SEC, you got to have some physicality to your game. I mean, God, I don't want to kill the guy. Arian Smith is an example. You got to be, you got to have some physicality, man, to be able to hold up. And so I like that about him and I like that toughness. And I thought he was an underrated athlete anyway. Um, so I, I was a little bit higher on him than I think the average Georgia fan was coming out of that of that this this recruiting class. But even I didn't expect him to make this big of an impact like this fast, where Kirby singling him out in the very first scrimmage of fall camp. I thought he would be a guy that could work himself in the rotation. I just didn't know if it would be like this fast and he'd be making waves 
to the degree that he is now. But Chris, at this point, with where we are at receiver, I feel pretty confident at the very least he's going to be in the rotation. Are you with me on that? Oh, without a doubt, I think he will be in the rotation, yes. Yeah, I mean, and, and he wasn't here for spring practice, guys. He's a summer enrollee. Denyland Morissette was the guy who was here for uh, for the spring. He's out with a little bit of injury right now. I know the staff is still high on him as well, so he might work himself in the rotation as well. But right now, it looks like Dylan Bell is very, very much a part of this rotation. Is he going to start? No, but he's going to play. And the more he plays, he actually goes out there and produces, the more playing time he'll get. So I'm excited about that because, look, we, we know we need some other receiver. Like, we, we haven't been recruiting at a high level there in terms of, like, landing big-time four- and five-star prospects consistently. So it's really nice when we land on our when we hit on our evaluations with guys like Dylan Bell and A.D. Mitchell and Lab McConkey. That's what's happened. Like, we're just hitting on all these evaluations at receiver. We're taking some of these under-recruited guys, and we're nailing it. Now, I don't know if that's a long-term strategy you want to continue, but thank God it's working out for us right now. But, Kurt, let's stick with the freshman theme for one more minute here. We all know about Michael Williams. We know about Jalen Walker, guys like that. We've heard those names. We've also heard the name Malachi Starks. It's not like he's a a, a guy that's coming out of nowhere. He's another former five-star. But he is reportedly getting a lot of work with the ones right now. And I was told that by someone I trust very much. I was told that directly. So, Kurt, what do you make of that development right now within the first week or so of fall camp, the first fall scrimmage? Malachi Starks is getting significant work with the number one defense. Um, you know, we talked about it last week about um, Daniel David and I can't remember the, the, the Daniel. For, yeah, or David Daniel. Um, but the fact is, realistically, Malachi Starks is everything David Daniel is, but better. Um, right. He's just young. Physically, I think. Physically, yeah. yeah, physically, he's just young. Um, but I mean, outside of Keely Ringo, I don't know if we've had a young guy that I actually have the faith or have faith in that I think could come in and make an impact as a freshman as I do with Malachi Starks. Are you ready to revise your – because we talked about – we did the position battles episode maybe last week. I want, a week it was last ago. week, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it was, it was last week. And uh, we, we went up and down pretty much every position on defense and we're giving our opinions on the position battles. And I, I think you said you thought it was going to be David Daniel and Chris Smith. Are you ready to revise that opinion at safety yet? I think if it stays this way, I'm thinking what I, I'll expect to see is probably Dan Jackson – with Malachi mm-hmm. Starks taking over mm-hmm. more into the season, um, mm-hmm. if it's not D- Daniel David or I keep saying David, it wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that name, that, that's the tongue. It's got me all messed up. So, yeah, but yeah, if I was to revise it, that's how I would revise it. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of where I was last week. I, I think that Dan's going to start because it's about trust, and that's that was my thing with Malachi. I think we we said that on the episode, right, Curtis? It's like he's the most physically talented of all the guys back there is safety like that's not really Mm -hmm. a a question at all it's a matter of trust because that's a very important position and if you make a mistake there it's six for the other team and we our coaches put a premium on trust it's that simple especially in the back end and i i just i wasn't ready to sit here and say oh yeah i predict the coach is going to be able he's going to earn their trust enough in the couple weeks of fall camp to where he's going to start week one i still don't think that's gonna happen but i think it's closer to being true now like i i I think it'd be less crazy after what we've seen this last week and a half. But I'm with you. I, I'm going to stick with what I said. I think Dan's going to start. I think that Malachi's going to get a lot of work. And I think eventually, if he if he performs well and gets opportunities, he'll work himself into that starting role at some point this season. That That's my prediction. We'll see if that ends up happening. But I'm going to stick with that. Are there any other position battles, especially defensively, Curtis, that, you're, that you want to revise your opinion on from last week now that we have a little more information to operate off of? Nothing new that I've heard has really made me want to change that. I mean, Kamari, uh, Kamari Lasseter right now is what they're saying is he's, you know, head of Nyland Green still. Yeah. Um, and also outside that, I, there's not much, I think, um, in the way of revising. I know Tresman Marshall was doing a little bit of an injury uh, at times last week, but he played well in the scrimmage, I was told. And I, I think I said I, it was going to be Smile and Pop. I, I'm sticking with Pop. I think Smile is going to be one of the top three linebackers. It wouldn't shock me to see Tresman be the starter. It wouldn't now. shock me. I think Tresman, he's just another one of these, like, can he stay healthy? Question yeah, mark. 100%. Yeah. But I think, I mean, all three of those guys are going to play. I think Jalen Walker is going to play. I think Zayvon Sori is going to play an inside linebacker. I think we have a lot of guys that are going to play, especially early in the season to try to f- figure out who that four-man rotation is going to be. I think, I do think we're probably going to have a four-man rotation there. But it wouldn't shock me to see Tresman maybe moving that starting role. I thought it was going to be Mond, and that still very well could be the case. But Tresman, watch out for Tresman. I'm hearing some good things about what Tres is doing there in fall camp. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, Curtis. So a lot of very encouraging developments to talk about this past week, but... It wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. It can never be all sunshine and rainbows, unfortunately, Curtis. That'd be amazing. But that's just not how Georgia football works. We do have some injuries to talk about. Some more severe than others, but injuries nonetheless, Curtis. I guess we got to start with the most severe of these injuries, Arian Smith. And look, I know we could take this in a number of different directions. We can sit here and we can bash this guy and say, dear God, he's made a porcelain. Can he stay healthy? I don't. I don't want to go that direction, Curtis. Uh, I mean, I don't want to speak for you. I, I, personally, I'm not going to go that direction because that's just low hanging fruit. And like, well, especially because you're, hearing, you're hearing it was like a freak accident more yeah. than like it was. Or I know freak accident maybe goes along with it, but that it could have happened to anyone. It just happened to be his rep. Yeah, it just it sucks, man. It's like truly unfortunate coincidence, in my opinion. And you guys can disagree with me on that. That's fine, but. This guy has done nothing wrong. And, like, I don't like when it's, uh, people just killing on this guy, you know, wrap him in, in bubble wrap. It's like, come on, man. Like, he's not tr- – this guy's out there putting it on the line, man. And yeah, he got hurt. It happens. It's a contact sport. And, look, I'm going to give this guy credit. He gave up track. He's an elite track runner. And he gave that up. He gave that up to try to stay healthy. So, I don't – I'm not really here for any bashing of Arian Smith. And, like, you, people can do what they want. But I'm personally not going to do that. I just hate it for the kick. I don't know him. But, I mean – Everyone I talked to that that has been around him just glows about the guy. He's just a, just a fantastic kid. One of those kids that kind of lights up a room. So I'm not, I'm not happy. Like I, it sucks for our team, but it sucks for him. This guy's dealt with a lot of injuries, so that sucks, man. Um, and he's out for an indeterminate amount of time. He's it's a high ankle sprain, um, but he has to have surgery. It's a very and I, yes, I know that sounds crazy. Ankle sprain surgery, yes, guys. But it's a very severe high ankle sprain. So if you tear one of those ligaments there with with, with the sprain, you could have to have surgery. So he's out for an indeterminate amount of time. There was. Some reports out there that he was out for the year, but Kirby kind of backed off that and said, no, we think we'll get him back. We just don't know when. So it sucks, Curtis. I'm just going to ask you this, though, from, a, from the on-field standpoint offensively. How much does this curtail your expectations for our offense this season, losing a guy like Arian Smith with what he brings to the table with his speed, which is something that really no one else on the team brings? It's going to curtail it maybe a little bit, but I think that – Outside of the speed, it was hard to find what he did better than, say, someone like Ladd McConkey um, and even Dominic Blaylock, who's more crafty in that position. And then um, what you are hearing is it has opened the door for someone like C.J. Smith, where, I mean, realistically, they're, yeah, they're both just burners, and that's really what was going to get them on the – I mean, they, they're receivers, don't get me wrong, but them being burners is what has allowed that was, them. That's what makes them rare, Yeah, yeah. I hesitate to go too crazy here because, I mean, he made a, a negligible impact last year. But when he's been on the field, Curtis, he changed the way defenses defend our offense. It's just that simple. He hasn't been on the field much, you know, at all. What is it, like five career catches, something like that? Um, I believe so. he makes an impact when he's on the field, whether he's catching touchdowns or whether he's making the defense stay in a too high safety shell because they have to respect his ability to run down the seam, run that go route. He changes the way teams defend us. And I was very much looking forward to, to that this year and what he could help our offense do, just the threat of taking the, the top off of the defense. What's hurt Arian, and this is what my, this is my concern for him coming into the year, is that he's been hurt so much. And Todd Munkin talked about this you know, in his press conference. It's hurt him from a developmental standpoint. You mentioned like what, all he can do is run a deep route, which I think he can do more than that. But I know that's not what you're saying, but a lot of people think that. Well, if there's any truth to that, it's because he hasn't been on the field to develop anything else. You know what I mean? And yeah, like he's not been healthy to go through all the seven on sevens consi- like consistently. Yeah, I mean, could he could he do a lot of things and run the routes that Lab McConkey and and Kyrus Jackson and Dominic Blaylock are able to do? I think he could, but he yeah. can't. Stay, oh no! Enough and, to and, and, and I, yeah, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Like 
me, it's more of like when it comes to truly great route running, it's a thing of feel. And you have to be yeah. out there doing it to get that feel. Yeah. And, and we will get him back, and we can put him out there, and we can, we can threaten the defense vertically with him out there, and that can change you know, what, how the defenses defend us, and that can open up some things for the run game. But it just it sucks because it's going to take a while for him to, like, to get healthy. And then what, how much is he going to be able to do? Like, what, how much of the offense is he going to be able to run because he hasn't been out there developing? He just never really has throughout his entire career. So that sucks. But saying all that, Curtis – Again, he played marginal snaps for us last year, and that's putting it nicely because he dealt with so many injuries. And uh, we were still a top 10 offense nationally. I think one of the most explosive offenses in the entire country. So there's no reason we can't do that again, especially considering all the guys that we have coming back who were young last year. Stetson back in his, uh, with a full offseason as the starter, another year in Todd Munkin's system. So there's no reason that we can't be as explosive and probably more explosive even without Arian Smith. But that's another weapon, you know, and I don't like losing weapons especially when you have a weapon like that that's just rare and can just do things differently, you know? And then Kendall Milton Curtis at running back. Um, it's another guy. I don't, I don't want to rip Kendall. It sucks, man. He's not trying to get hurt. He's out there working hard. But he's dealing with another setback. It's a minor one. This sounds like a great – Kirby caught it a grade one hamstring pull, which is minor. Uh, but they held him out for the last part of last week and, and also the scrimmage. It's just – it's still tough to deal with, though, Curtis. But how much does this open the door for other running backs to try to steal some playing time from Kendall, who's going to come this season as one of our top two running backs at the very least? I think it's going to give the opportunity to someone like Branson Robinson or Andrew Paul. I think while Dejan Edwards could benefit, I think the younger two guys are going to benefit the most because it's going to give them the reps to work on pass blocking, which is, I feel like, always the biggest thing that keeps freshmen off the field early when it comes to running backs. And yeah, so especially two guys who are talented, but we're not here in the spring and have to just, their heads are spinning right now with how fast we're installing things. Exactly. And so I think that it opens the door more so for them. I'm glad that Kendall, um, like you said, was a more of a minor injury. And I think that more than anything, just could be smart the next week or two to make sure it's not more of a nagging injury. He should be fine. Like it, it, this, I don't want to get anyone up in arms. He should be fine. If, yeah. it, if it truly is a grade one hamstring, like that's just like discomfort in your hamstring, basically. So you're just aware of it. You got to be careful, and you got to do some. You got to treat it and all that kind of stuff. That's fine. But he should be okay, and I we need him to be okay because I think right now it's you know especially in terms of like who understands the offense and who's ready to be those next two guys. It's going to be. Kendall and Kenny come to the season. I think Edwards can is an underrated guy who could certainly help us. And I love the talent that Andrew Paul and Branson Robinson broke through the table. Like you said, Curtis, they're just their heads are spinning right now. And it's hard to trust them back there in, in significant snaps. You know what I mean? Especially against a team like Oregon week one. So I hope Kendall gets back healthy. I think he will, but it does open up opportunities for some other guys, and we'll see if they uh if they take advantage of it. And the last one here, Curtis, God, another guy that just hate it for, man. Tate Ratledge, offensive lineman who played all about, what, four or five snaps last year in the Clemson game. He was our best lineman coming this season, at least reportedly. It's not his Liz Frank. It's not the Liz Frank injury, so it's not that. But it's it's a lower extremity injury. It's a turf toe curse, which is just annoying, and it sucks. And he was held out of the scrimmage on Saturday after working with the ones all fall camp to that point. How concerned are you with Tate having to deal with this turf toe issue? I'm actually not very concerned because I think the biggest reason I'm saying that is it seems like right now that they, they have him at that guard position. More than anything, I think even with the Liz Frank and the history of players with that and everything, that you kind of have to protect him. So I don't think even if he didn't have turf toe, I wouldn't have been shocked if he hadn't taken off, if he was, you know, still held out of a certain amount of snaps come these scrimmage games, realistically. Yeah, you want to get the cohesiveness there, but the offensive line sounds like it's I mean, do you feel like the offensive line is set? All the reports that I got from last week, and this is from beat writers, people that I know, for the first week and a half or so of fall camp, it's been the same starting unit. It really until yeah. until until the, the scrimmage when we held, held some guys out. It's been Roger Jones at, at left tackle, Devin Willick at left guard, Cedric Van Pran at center, Tate Rattledge at right guard, and McClendon at right tackle. How confident are you that that line is going to hold going into week one against Oregon? You know, I'm pretty confident, and I'm and I like the idea of actually holding Tate Ratledge out a little bit to get someone like Trust and maybe some other guys some snaps there, because yeah. say something does happen, you got to have someone ready to go, and so I think it's important to keep these guys ready and work on cohesiveness across the board. I'm sure you caught this, Curtis. Warren Erickson's not even really working with the guards. All he got a little bit of time there with with Tate missing the scrimmage, but through most of practices, he's working more at center than his guard. Is that does that put you at ease? It does, especially after this first scrimmage when 
there was the injury, but none of it was that Warren um, Erickson was the one filling in. So I, I, that gave yeah. me some ease. Like he's getting a little bit of work there, but that's not – he's not a primary – not they even pretty, really the primary much, And it looks like he's not even, you know, the sixth man, like the Cade Mays role anymore. Yeah. I mean, he's a valuable guy to have off the bench. Don't get me wrong. He is. Absolutely, like but he, he's just not going to be that first guy off the bench like he was last year. No. It's just other guys. I mean, just like he plays hard and everything, but it's just other guys are more talented. It's just yeah. that simple. They, yeah. Some other, some of these more talented players have caught up, and that, that thing is the biggest difference. Yeah, the young guys, they figured it out, and that's not necessarily a good thing for Warren Erickson and his snap count. But all right, guys, that does it for us here today on the Glory UGA podcast. I think we're tapped out. I think that's all the major developments and storylines and all the buzz that we've heard through the first week and a half or so of fall camp. I know you guys have a lot of questions this time of year, especially as we're getting more and more news coming out of fall camp, especially with these fall scrimmages. we got the second scrimmage coming up this weekend. So please, we encourage you, send any questions you've got. Send them to us, guys. Hit us up on social media. You can DM us on Twitter. It's at Glory underscore UGA. Or you can just tweet us, tweet us, DM us, whatever's easiest for you. You can also hit us up on Instagram. That's at Glory UGA Podcast. And if it's easier for you, if you're more into email and you don't want really to do the social media thing, you can do old school email. That's Glory UGA Podcast at gmail.com. We are going to try to fit in at least one more mailbag here over the next couple of weeks before the season hits. Going to try to do one more preseason mailbag. Then once the season hits, we'll have a mailbag episode each and every week. Give you guys a chance to have your voice heard and get your direct questions answered here on the podcast. That's one of the things that's been really important to us from the very, very beginning of this podcast. We want you guys to be a part of this show. So don't be a stranger. Let us know any questions you've got. We've got you guys covered. But thank you guys for being here today and every other day that you tune in and supporting this podcast. Can't thank you guys enough. We are extraordinarily excited here in just a couple of weeks to get underway with our eight year covering the Georgia Bulldogs here on the Glory UGA podcast. Very excited about that. And we are pumped to have you guys join us on this journey for another Georgia football season. So let's go, baby. Got to hurry up and get here. But thank you guys. We love you. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.